Ladies and gentlemen, live from the West Coast, it's time for Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Your inside look into combat sports. Ring Talk Live Worldwide is brought to you by the World Boxing Council, the WBC. That is just a fact of life. And now, the host of the longest-running fight show in radio and Internet history, Pedro Fernandez. Woo, it's going to be good. Damas y caballeros, bienvenidos, ladies and gentlemen. Emanating, coming at you from the multi-million dollar sports by Live Studios. Check it. This is Ring Talk Live Worldwide and WBC TV. Often imitated, but... Hardly duplicated, 37, make that 38-plus years now of knocking out all bums. Who am I? My name is Pedro Fernandez. I am your ever-so-modest host. And when I say modest, think caps. I'm a four-time Golden Glove champion, and I've won some awards for my boxing writing. So supposedly, allegedly, I'm supposed to know something about boxing. But guess what? The average fan, they always know a little bit more. So I open up the Ring Talk WBC-TV text line at the top of each hour just for you just drop me a text straight up. The number, 415-275-1613. The Ring Talk WBC-TV studio text line, once again, 415-275-1613. Of course, boxing tonight, got it on the zone, ESPN. They got a big sort of a smorgasbord of boxing. Alexis Roque, I take it on the very colorful Blair Cobbs that's going down on the zone. Of course, that's coming to us from uh, Los Angeles, California. It gives us an Al Heyman show. Edgar Belanga, of course, the Puerto Rican knockout artist who sort of didn't knock out all them guys like he was supposed to knock the people out in the first round. Last couple of fights went to distance. Anyway, he's human, still undefeated. Taking on Steve Rolls. This Rolls much of a match. We'll talk about that with boxing's PhD, Socrates Palmer. Sonny Edwards, Mohamed Wassim as well going today. And, of course, there's a fight going across the pond in Japan, I believe, is already taking place. We'll get to those results a little bit later. So, big smorgasbord of boxing, and we'll talk a little MMA today as well. This is Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Once again, our studio text line, 415-275-1613. That's 415-275-1613. You're tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. If you don't know by now, what can I say? Stole a couple lines. Remember that one, Getting Old Ain't for Sissy, something like that. She stole that from like Lauren Bacall or Betty Davis, an actor. So my mother was a plagiarist. Straight up, you are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide and WBC TV. Of course, we take it to the West Coast and bring in the Bronx bomber himself, Mr. Socrates Bomber, Foxy's true PhD. And how are you today, sir? I'm doing great, Pedro. Nice uh, spring day here in, in New York City, and I'm on the best boxing radio show in the world okay let's talk let's talk money floyd mayweather he owes he owes logan paul some money off that pay-per-view they they had about a year and a half ago he never paid him what's up with that yeah that's the rumor um logan paul has uh been making uh a big well not it is a big deal i mean he's he's been claiming that uh for about from what i remember about the last four months and then 
when the first when the story first broke out, uh, the TMT team uh, stated that oh that you know when things are on pay per view it <laughs> takes time this that and the third, and that just sounds very shady, you know. So uh, hopefully there's a, a big lawsuit coming, and uh, I don't you know Floyd Mayweather looks bad and Showtime looks bad. You know Floyd Floyd what a piece of work he was. And some of the responses said you know well I'm still getting paid on fights I had five or six years ago that kind of crap. No no no. You're not. The right. pay-per-view numbers are in. He should have been paid by now. I'm talking about Logan Paul. No doubt about that. And on, on of course, money, money, always money. Um, Triple G. Triple G, of course, going to go over across the pond and take on Cody Murata. Before that, of course, he's got the um, the fight. If if he wins that fight, he's got the fight with Canelo in in November or September, whichever the month they decide on. And, of course, we've got other things happen with Charlo. Of course, Charlo, 32-0, WBC champion. Benavides, these guys talking back and forth. Mike Tyson dogged Charlo to the point where he almost called him a PUS. You know what? I'm serious. He almost called him out on, on that podcast. Yes. Yeah. Hey, you know what? When there's a microphone in front of Mike Tyson, you know, it's must-watch. And um, yeah, he called him out, man. He, you know, he he uh, referred to Benavides as he said, "Well, if you don't fight Char- uh, Canelo, then what about the Mexican monster?" You know, and he questioned his manhood. You know, and there's no other way, no other way to put it. And um, I'm sure that Jamal Charlo doesn't feel good about that. And who knows? Maybe that's the uh, inspiration that he needs to, you know, sack up and and fight one of these tough opponents. Mike Tyson, quote, I think that I think that too, but I need him to prove it. Uh, that the world needs him to prove it before he goes to the wheel before before he goes to the wheelchair of something, man. Come on, we gotta start fighting. But Charlo, of course, ducked that to the bone. He said he's not gonna go there. He's trying to get other opponents and he will continue to make a lot of money because he's got a good little drawing there in Houston. Of course, he's got the contract at Al Heyman and the WBC belt. But eventually the WBC's gotta make him fight somebody. Yeah, and and also let's face it. I mean, public opinion. I mean, does count. And you know, if Jamal Ch- Jamal Charlo is going to be happy being a paper champion, you know, then that's on him. It's it's not. It, it the belt doesn't make the fighter. The fighter makes the belt. And you know, the opponents that he's fought, he's kind of regressed. You know, a lot of people thought that he lost to um, uh, the Russian fighter Korbov. Uh, a, couple, a couple of years ago, you know. Well, Charlo, but, thir- 32 and zip, 20, uh, 22 wax. Of course, Benavides, 25 and 0, 22 kills. Both guys in the same stable. And Benavides is calling him out as well. You know, Charlo's is like looking, how can I put this? He's looking like a wuss. Yeah, it, it's suspect. You know, the, the term nowadays is he's, he's capping. You know, he, he's pump faking. You know, he talks a good talk. You know, he, you know, they they have that lions only brand. Well, you know, he's not looking like a lion. He's looking more like a pussy cat. And uh, you know, eventually, you know, the, the public is just going to tune him out. You know, and and another thing, he's thirty one years old, I believe. So he's not getting any younger. And I believe that he's just holding out for the Canelo lottery. And he may not get it. He's going to be probably on the outside looking in. Canelo has other plans, and there are still good fighters out there. There's Caleb Plant, you know, which would be a, a very good matchup. Um, Demetrius Andre, 
is a is a good fight. Uh, supposedly, it it was turned down by uh, by Charlo. So you know, there, there's people out there. It's just a matter of fact: does he want to take that risk, or is he happy making a lot of money fighting easy opponents? Let's go back to money. Of course, Triple G now suing Oscar De La Hoya and Golden Boy Promotions, saying he was owed three million bucks from that Canelo fight. Ooh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that, really, that broke. That just broke. Mm. Okay, I was not aware of that. Money, money is in the news this morning. And, and and I guess it's a bad habit because I believe, didn't Kovalev also, it, it, wasn't he uh, suing uh, or alleging that he didn't get paid for that Canelo fight? You know, a lot of guys sue promoters. And I used to say to myself, why are all these guys suing promoters? And guess what? They quietly win. You know what I'm saying? Quietly. I mean, they, they're, they're, the cases are settled, this and that. It's funny, like that. Um, God rest his soul, but Don Chargan was sued by the Lopez brothers. He was sued by Pete Ranzani. All those lawsuits he lost. Hmm. I mean, no one, who, who really needs that bad publicity, you know? Well, anyway, so I guess it, 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 it is what it is. Um, but three million bucks, I think I'd be hot too if somebody owed me three million. I'd be more than hot, yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> again, hot. but can't pay your bills. Yudi Ergis, of course, going to, Yordi Ugas going to take on. Earl Spence, of course, for the World World Welterweight Championship, or one version of it anyway. Who's better right now, Crawford or Spence? Who would you rate the better welterweight? Um, I would rate Crawford because Crawford, you know, although he's not fighting uh, household names, so to speak, but he just looks more impressive, you know, whoever's in front of him. You know, I mean, no one's done what he did to Sean Porter, you know, um, Errol Spence, I respect his talent, but I still question how good he is. Errol Spence is broken glass. I think so too, man. I really believe he's damaged goods. He's broken glass. You can't put, listen, when you drop a glass on the floor, you can't put it back together with all the glue in the world. You can't put it back together. When you get tossed out of a car at 115 miles per hour, I don't care if you're buzz drunk or not. Bottom line is, you're gonna, there's going to be some residual effects. He had a brain bleed. We saw the evidence of a brain bleed with his eyes bleeding and things like that. So we know there was concussion, at least a, a mild concussion, if not a severe concussion. At the end of the day, I say, I say he's damaged goods. And I would step on his toes. I would do all kinds of stuff to discombobulate him. I would talk to him, this and that. I would even, I think part of my entrance music that night, if I was the other guy, Udi Urgus, I think it would be a lot of screeching in cars. Ah, bam, ah, bam. Oh, Here comes Udi Urgus. Ah, bam. You see what I'm saying on that one? <laughs> You'd be trolling all the way up to the ring. I, all the hey. way up to the Listen, you've got to get into a guy's head. I mean, especially, if you know, if you're the uh, the underdog. I mean, if you're the underdog, you're the opponent, per se, and Ugas is the opponent here. He's supposed to be the guy that's going to come in and be an easy mark for Earl Spence. Of course, I don't think he's going to be easy of a mark. I think he's a difficult guy. In fact, he beat Terrence Crawford, I believe, as an amateur. Yes, and a lot of people think he got robbed against Sean Porter, you know. Um, Ugas made me eat crow. He did. He made me eat crow. I didn't think that he was going to do what he did to Manny Pacquiao. And I think the book is out on Errol Spence. I mean, you know, we talk music sometimes on this show. And do you remember the old freestyle hit by the cover girls, Show Me, Show Me? Yeah. 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 Errol Spence needs to show me, you know, show me, you know, that he's the real deal. And I think he's damaged goods. Um, Charlo needs seen- to show me. Charlo, Justin, Charlo's the guy. He's the guy. I'm, I'm, I'm really. He's the guy. He can make. There's so many different directions he can go in. I think there's three or four directions he can go in and make good fights. He doesn't seem to be inclined to go in any one. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And is it just coincidence that they all fight under the PBC Al Heyman banner? 
Hmm, good point. You know, I don't know. I some you know they say the the Mungia, the Jaime Mungia, the undefeated middleweight out of Tijuana, or Mexico, are fighting out of Tijuana. Of course, him and Charlo were supposed to hook it up, and they couldn't come to an agreement as far as television networks are concerned. Oscar De La Hoya wanted to go on DAZN because that's what he built Mungia up on, and Al Heyman and those guys wanted to go on Showtime Showtime pay per view, but the fighters had agreed to the money. That's a fight. Now that is an. At the end of the day, no one really knows the truth unless you're there and, and paperwork is out in the open. But that is a fight that's probably pay-per-view worthy and a fight that would do well on pay-per-view. Despite Jaime Munguia not being a, a household name, but he's a Mexican and he's got a, that feverish you know, fan base. That's a really, really good fight and a fight that there's no reason why it shouldn't happen. Um, Oscar De La Hoya has to get that done with uh, Al Heyman somehow. You know, to me, it's a good fight. Before we go to the break, I want to mention that, you know, but people talk about boxing's heyday being the 80s and the 90s and that. That's because I, I looked back at it last night and I thought about it, and it's because Seth Abraham was involved in boxing. When he got involved in boxing in 1978 or something like that with the Holmes-Norton fight, I think that's one of the first fights they put on paper on on HBO home, home box office back in then. He invested a lot of money and time in boxing, and I think that the super era of boxing is, is because of Seth Abraham and nobody else. You know where I'm Can you see where I'm going mm-hmm. on that? Do you think maybe uh, too many promoters have diluted it and there's too many options for these fighters? No, it's just that, it's just that Uncle Seth was in a position where he – he had a, he he knew what time it was. He dropped a lot of mm-hmm. money in boxing. I mean, HBO was telling him no, 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 and he's saying no, no, no. Give me the money. Give me the money. And he kept demanding more and more money. And of course, when he split, and Ross Greenberg took over as producer, and of course the HBO CEO of sports, they cut the budget in half. How do I know they cut the budget in half? Because they cut me out of it. Really? Yeah, they, they cut me. They just, they just flat out cut me out of it. Let's take a break. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. You're inside looking to the world of boxing, of course. Come to you on WBC TV, Twitch TV as well. My name is Pedro Fernandez. On the line, of course, from the Bronx, the Bronx Bomber, Boxing's Truth, PhD, Socrates Bomber. More of boxing and, of course, Ring Talk Live Worldwide after the break. Tower of Power to the break. The greatest trumpet of all time. Mick Gillette on Tower of Power's horn. Of course, Muhammad Ali was talking about Socrates Palmer Jr., boxing's PhD, of course, on the line from the Bronx. My brother, that's quite a compliment from the greatest. Well, I, I am very humbled by those words. You uh, should be. You should be humbled by it. Hey, speaking of humble, get this. Unbeaten Olympic silver, super heavyweight gold medalist, Bakater Jalagov is now 10-0 with 10 knockouts, continuing his reign of terror, get this, with a fifth-round KO over Camille Sukarovsky, who was 11-25 with two draws and four KOs. Yeah, a reign of terror. Wow. That's is that terrible a news. Is that a, is that a reign of terror or what? Guy should be arrested wow. for domestic violence beating up a guy that bad. That's a reign of something, man. Wow. <laughs> I, 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 that's... that's <laughs> Wow. Of course, talking about this this took place over in Dubai, WBC number one ranked 130-pounder, O'Shaquille Foster, went to 19-2, 11 KOs with a 12-round unanimous knot over previously unbeaten number two contender, 
Oh, my God, this one's a good number. Muhammad Yokoza Yakovov. Put it just 18 and 1, 10 KOs with WBC Eliminator. Of course, scores are 118, 109, 117, 110, twice across the board. He retains the silver belt, does Foster. Of course, Mauricio Suleiman was over there for that card there in Dubai. Well, you know, we did Dubai. We tried to do Dubai in like 2012, Harold Smith and I, and they flew me over there, and I had to do a couple of TV shots, and I was really sick. I got sick drinking booze on the plane. When the last, probably one of the last times I ever drank. Uh, um, you know, but, I, but I drank this booze on the plane because it was free. And it was like this $100 a bottle of cognac. I said to myself, I can't pass this up. I was sick for a week. Really? Yeah. Wow. Sick for the, they took me to the hospital in Dubai the whole nine years. They thought I was some type of, uh, of uh, opioid guy or something like that back in the day. What, dude? You want drugs? I don't want drugs. I just feel like spit. Help me. Anyway, bottom line yeah. is the. <laughs> How was the weather? I'm sure. Oh, it was like 125 degrees and it was in the winter. <laughs> Wow. It was yeah. cold. They go, they go, yeah, we're coming over there at the cold time. Really, we're going over there, 125 in the winter. And what's funny about it, about Dubai was that it's a rich place, but they've got two types of women there. I take that back, three types of women. they got Filipino women working there, like in as maids and working as waitresses and things like that. And then they got the then they got girls that are working down there as hookers, and they don't wear burkas. But then you got the girls with the burkas. And those they got sexy burkas and ugly burkas and the whole nine yards. But they actually have um, Victoria's Secrets type of burkas over there. I kid you not, Dubai. The girls like pimping on down the street. The girls in Dubai, I kid you not, in, in, in Victoria's Secrets type of outfits. I, although they're, you know, Muslim restricted and that kind of good stuff, they push it to the limit. That is fascinating. I had no idea. That's, uh, I, I guess, if you, you know, I mean, it's a country that religion is the law, you know. The, but um, I guess it leaves something to the imagination of what's underneath. That's- I, I stayed at the Hotel Moscow, and I went downstairs to the health club, and there was nothing but chicks everywhere. I mean, everywhere. I mean, like, beautiful Latin chicks. I'm saying to myself, something's wrong. We're like in, where are we? We're in, like, Dubai. All these Latin chicks and Russian chicks, and they were all hookers. There, wow. I mean, there were more hookers in Dubai than there was anything else, per capita, I think. Per capita, I think Dubai is ranks number one on hook. I'm not a hooker guy, but number one, I think, pound for pound, uh, per capita, Dubai is big on hookers because the money's good. Well, it's a, I mean, it's kind of like the playground for the rich and famous in Dubai. Yeah, and of course, I felt like spit getting, getting sick there. Steve Rolls got a chance tonight against Berlanga? Um, I think so. I mean, Edgar Berlanga... Um, has been matched up very well on, you know, and he's got the machine behind him, ESPN and top rank, and they're feeding him guys that he's supposed to look good against. His last time out, he got dropped, you know, and he's supposed to be the, the, the puncher, and I believe he was the first time he went to the decision. Um, recently, his, his lady had a baby. I noticed that at the weigh-in, he looked a little soft around the midsection. Let's see what happens. You know, um, Steve Rose is a, is a decent fighter, but he's a, he already knows how to lose. You know, um, he, he, the time that he stepped up, uh, he, uh, I believe Triple G made short work of him. Yeah. Uh, do I expect him to win? No, um, but I do expect a competitive fight, and um, you never know. It's, you know, Rose is a is a good solid fighter, and if Berlanga just keeps fighting the same way, which is just looking for a one punch knockout. He could be in for a long night. Okay. Frank Warren's opening up more seats in Wembley Stadium for the Fury Dillian White card. That's good news. And Barry Hearn, um, 
the promoter's trying to say that Fury would be a bigger star with him than he is with, with Frank Warren. Do you think that's true? Uh, I don't think that's true. I, I think, think Tyson, so. Fury, Tyson Fury is a star, period. You know, he, he doesn't need anybody. I, think, I, don't, I don't think it takes a, a whole lot to promote Tyson Fury. Just give him a mic. That's it. <laughs> Let him you know, get out of his way. No, I think that's just... I, I, don't, I don't buy that at all. Okay, I'm going to run a couple, couple one by you. <clears throat> Bob Arum, Massa Bob of the, of the top-ranked plantation. Of course, the top-ranked CEO, <laughs> former U.S., former U.S. attorney under the Kennedy administration back in 1960s. Um, he said, Aramon Cambosis, Lomachenko, deal was done. Hopefully they can fight later in the year. Then the next headline here at Boxing Scene is Hernan Cambosis-Haney. I believe the fight is being closed. I be- believe this fight is going to be closed. What does that mean? Uh, does that mean that the ship has sailed on that fight? Um, Haney Hearn the- focused on reaching agreement with Cambosis. Why is it so tough to reach a deal with this Australian guy, man? Why could it be? Why is it so tough? Maybe he's overvaluing himself. You know, I mean, George Cambosis has the win, you know, of the year. You know, he he beat the man who beat the man. But you know, maybe it, he's just outpricing himself. I mean, Australia is one of the countries that has one of the strictest COVID laws. What is their capacity as far as like an arena? You know, I mean, we, you know, he, he bragged that right after the fight, you know, that, Hey, we could do a rematch if you want, um, 80,000 fans, you know, waiting to, you know, in Australia, but would they allow that now? Okay. You know, so, good, good. so the money is not going to be the same, you know? So I don't know. Steven Espinosa, Steven with a P, um, says that I know everybody wanted Canelo and Charlo. I still want that too. Canelo and Charlo, that could have been done if if Charlo was willing to step up to 168. That's what the whole that's that that's what this all boils down to, right? Him not wanting to fight him at 168 pounds, correct? Seems that way. Or, or does Canelo want to come down to 168 pounds again? Because I mean, he keeps playing with his weight. You know, um, does he does he want to come back down to 168? Um, I think Canelo's more interested in history. You know, and and uh, I, I believe firmly that he has. The light heavyweight unification in his in his uh, radar. I th- you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb right now. I'm going to say that Dimitri Ebal is going to give him hell, and that this will go into the late rounds, and that we won't know exactly what's going down after five or six or seven rounds. It's going to be a fight that's going to be decided in the late rounds. I think so. And if size was ever a difference, size matters in two things: pornography and combat sports. But size is a big size difference for Bivol. Of course, he's got the amateur pedigree. Hector thinks yes. he fights. Hector thinks he fights a little bit too stiff and too stand upish. But I think that's a perfect style to beat a guy like Canelo. A guy coming with straight punches, yeah, because because yeah. Canelo tends to be a little wide. The, the whole thing with Canelo, though, is that pressure that he puts on you mentally and his hand speed, you know. And and you know, Bivol, is he going to take a page from Caleb Plant? Because Caleb Plant looked good in spurts, but you can tell in the back of Canelo's mind he had no respect for Caleb Plant's power. So I, I think Bivol is going to have to stand his ground early in that fight and, and make Canelo, you know, second guess coming in. You know, he separated he separated the right hand. He hit him with the left hand. He separated the right muscle of Caleb Plant's arm. He separated like the tricep or the bicep from the bone. I kid you not. He hit him that hard that often. Wow. So he is. It's funny because the, the Reynoso's family business is butchering 
so now so he butchered Billy Joe Saunders's eye, and now he, he he's dismembering uh, uh, muscles on on the fighters. That's fascinating. I, I didn't think that I, I had not heard that before, um, but it makes sense. I mean, you, you fight a bigger guy, hit him wherever you can, like Rocky Marciano used to, right? Bang him in the arms. But I, had, I hit a lot down. of guys in the arms. You get him to get him. Anyway, bottom line, that's not going to that. You're right. Marcion used to kill people with the arm shots. Straight up, you are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Socrates Palmer, have a good day. Have a good week. Kiss the wife and the kids. I certainly will. Thank you, Pete. All the best. The greatest, folks. Boxing's true PAC, Socrates Palmer, appearing exclusively on Ring Talk Live Worldwide and WBC-TV. Speaking of WBC, check out the interactive World Boxing Council website, WBCBoxing.com. Tower of Power, what is hip to the break? Hard to hustle anything is boxing, though. I don't know what you do for a living, but pretty sure ain't nobody punching you all in your eyes. I watched one fight. Roy Jones got hit so hard, my TV moved. He was asleep like he got knocked out of the club. The ref was like 241. 242. Roy was snoring. He was really knocked out. He was laying there so long, they had to start another fight. Roy was still there. Fighters had to dance around Roy. The great knockout, of course, of Roy Jones. Brought to you by the Comedian Earthquake, courtesy of HBO. Of course, HBO Home Box Office. I mentioned Seth Abraham. He was the CEO of HBO Sports for a long time. Of course, he was the guy that sort of made boxing. I think he made boxing. I think he did it. Don King, Bob Arum, these guys. No, no, no. It was Seth Abraham. Without HBO, boxing would have never climbed to the heights that it did in the 80s and 90s. Believe me, I truly believe that. I was there. Anyway, March 26th, look like Showtime's got a, a card coming to us from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Tim Zhu, of course, the son of the former world champion, Kostu, taking on Terrell Gausha in a super welterweight bounce, 154 pounds. A couple other fights on the card. That's March 26th, Showtime Championship Boxing. April 9th, of course, Showtime going again. The Theater of the Virgin Islands in Las Vegas. <clears throat> Erickson Lubin taking on Sebastian Fedora for WBC Super Welterweight Interim title. Tony Harrison on the same card, of course, a world-ranked junior welterweight, taking on, junior middleweight, taking on Sergio Garcia. Uh, April 16th, Showtime pay-per-view, of course, Earl Spence versus Jordi Ugas. Of course, the WBC, WBA, and IBF welterweight titles on the line. Unification match of sorts. Showtime pay-per-view, AT&T Stadium. Can the Cuban draw down there? I don't think the Cuban's going to bring too much to the dance as far as <clears throat> ticket sales are concerned, but he's one hell of an upset artist. I think he's got a good chance of upsetting Earl Spence. And why do I say that? Earl Spence is damaged goods, broken glass. You can't put glass back together. I don't care what you do. Showtime Championship Boxing, of course, preceding the pay-per-view that day will be Rezna Budov taking on El Montes Santinoas for the WBA welterweight something belt. Bottom line is Brandon Lee's on the car, taking on Zachary Ochoa in a super lightweight bout. May 14th, Showtime Championship Boxing, of course. <clears throat> the rematch, and it is their rematch, coming to us from the city of Angels, Los Angeles, California. Jamel Charlo, the 154-pound Charlo. There's Jamel at 154, Jamal at 160. I got to get that right. And here with Jamel at 154, the once-beaten fighter, of course, lost to... Um, who did he lose to anyway? I think he lost to Tony Harrison. He came back and he beat Tony Harrison anyway. Taking on Brian Castano in a bit of a rematch. Of course, the first fight, people thought maybe Castano won. Of course, Charlo was, uh, <clears throat> I think they got a draw. Anyway, bottom line is undisputed WBC, WBA, and WBO belts are on the line, 154 pounds. And Jaron Ennis is on the card taking on Kustan Clayton in an IBF welterweight eliminator. Of course, that is the Showtime boxing schedule. You know, Showtime was like always second to HBO. I brought that up on purpose. They were always second to HBO, yet they've outlasted HBO, and I just don't understand that. I mean, I really don't. I mean, 
The, the 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 grounds were laid at one point in time when Seth Abraham when he when he dropped the reins of course but they cut the budget when they dropped the reins when he handed things off to to Ross Greenberg as far as the HBO uh, CEO was concerned and the producer as far as running boxing and sports were concerned when he handed it over to Ross Greenberg he handed it over to him with half the budget when you go with half the budget. I mean, that's just the way it is. Half the budget is half the budget. So they cut everybody out. As far as the fighter was concerned, they weren't doing that many fights. And when I saw the decrease in schedule, then they got rid of Larry Merchant. Okay, about 2012. They got rid of Larry Merchant. Said he was get, getting too old. Well, we still hear him on the show. Even though he, he got sick last year, he's come back. I mean, the Godfather's stronger than ever. But they got rid of Larry Merchant. 2012. Brought in Max Kellerboy. Remember Max Kellerboy? Oh, I'm sorry. Max Kellerman. Anyway, Max Kellerman, of course, was the guy that said that um, uh, Roman Gonzalez was going to be, Chocolito Gonzalez was going to be the next biggest star in boxing. So what happened? <clears throat> HBO put all kinds of money behind him. He was their last star that they put a bunch of money on behind because, because Mr. Kellerman told him so. Max said so. Max said, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. The guy wasn't much. He's a 115-pound fighter. You don't invest that kind of money in a 115-pound fighter. You don't invest the entire network in a 115-pound fighter. They did, and he got beaten the first time by the uh, by the Wangleset Wang. Wangleset Wagasek, and of course he got beaten the second time by stoppage. So he lost two fights to him, hasn't really come back as far as big fights are concerned. He was a winner a fortnight ago in a fight that he was supposed to win, but at the end of the day, he doesn't do a whole lot for me. Straight up, he just doesn't. Um, pound for pound right now, of course we've got Canelo Alvarez, there's no doubt about that, but one of his former opponents is coming back. We'll talk about Sergey Kovalev, of course, coming back May 14th. That'll be on Trilliviz. Now, what is Trilliverse? Because Trilliverse, I think, is another network <coughs> coming to you as a subscription on the Fight Network. Remember Trilliverse? Which are the guys that put all that money up for um, for Teofimo Lopez and, 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 um, and George Cambosis? They put all that money up for it, and then they flaked. Remember they put up like $6 bucks and then they flaked? So anyway, I guess they're doing stuff still. I can't believe anybody wants to allow them to still promote because once you flake on something like that, that kind of money, I mean, you bid $6 million bucks out there. You put the fight in limbo for three or four months. Yeah, COVID was happening at the same time, but at the end of the day, it was just poor promotion on the part of these guys from Trillivers or Triller, whatever you want to call them. Bottom line is I think they should be arrested for impersonating boxers, uh, boxing promoters. Speaking of boxing schedule, of course, the boxing schedule of the 19th, that is today's date, ESPN's guy said got the knockout artist. Not knockout artist. The Puerto Rican guy that's knocked out everybody but two fights. I think he's got 21 wins. Edgar Belanga taking on the aforementioned Steve Rolls. Steve Rolls has two chances, slim and none, and slim just left town. Of course, on March 19th, it was supposed to be Virgil Ortiz versus Michael McKinson, but Ortiz pulled out this week. Fight News tried to say he was having weight woes. And then they came back with a medical diagnosis. He had something wrong with one of his muscles or something like that. So either one or the other. Bottom line is Virgil Ortiz, 18, you know, 18 wax. The kid, I think, is the the dark horse, the the underdog, the guy nobody wants to talk about at Walter Wood. I think he's a guy at 147 that might be able to do it all to these guys. Why? Because he's gonna he's got a he wants to impose his will on people. And he wants to impose his will. And he will go to, I think, almost no no limits in order to do so. 18 and 18 wax, yeah, he's knocked out a lot of guys like me, but the bottom line is he has knocked out some good guys as well. But Ortiz off the car tonight on the zone. March 26th, the zone, of course, Kiko Martinez and Josh Warrington. I think that's a rematch for the IBF featherweight title. Of course, as I said, the aforementioned Tim Zhu going to go on the 26th with Terrell Gausha. Tim Zhu, son of 
former world champion Kostya Zubov. You know, somebody asked me the other day, will I do a series on the sons of world champions? Check that back. I'm going to start tomorrow on the Sunday edition of Ring Talk Live Worldwide and WBC-TV. We're going to the, we're going to the uh, career of Fernando Vargas Jr. Okay, some people say he's a really good fighter. Some people say he can't fight much. Bottom line is we'll take a look at his career tomorrow. And, of course, I said I would bring up Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., and senior in this car in this edition of Ring Talk Live Worldwide and WBC TV. And the reason why I'm doing that is that Julio announced that his son is back in rehab. And I wish him the very best of luck. And let me tell you about Julio. Julio was so hooked on cocaine, and he admitted this. <clears throat> he was so hooked on cocaine, he was staying in his room or his room for three or four days, five, six, seven days at a week, a week at a time, just doing blow, coming out, you know, to go to the bathroom, to eat some food, this and that. But he stayed in his room. He just spent a lot of time getting high. So He's a guy that knows the perils of cocaine. Without a doubt, he knows them. So he started all these rehab centers in Mexico. I think there's three or four of them going on, and they're all successful. And, of course, I think that he went to one as well. Of course, he was a rehab, uh, successful rehab guy. He's been off blow for a while. But his son, his son Devil, back into the uh, Colombian dust, of course, the devil's dust, I call it, and he got hooked once again. So they, they put him back in rehab. So we wish him the very best of luck. But, you know, Chavez Jr., <clears throat> Good fighter. People say he can't fight. No, he can fight. He can. At one point in time, he was a WBC middleweight title holder. They didn't give him that belt. He had to earn it, okay? But that point, from that point forward, the discipline or his lack thereof sort of um, became obvious. This was a guy, of course, that when the referee, and I won't tell you who the referee was, but I know him because he told me, anyway, that he went into the, uh, <clears throat> the locker room at the Los Angeles Forum, the Inglewood Forum, to interview, to, you know, to give Chavez his pre-fight instructions, and Chavez was supposedly, allegedly, get this, Tom, having sex in the locker room in the, uh, in the, in the, in the shower with, with a girl while his crew was waiting for him in the locker room. I kid you not. But that's the, way, that's the way he rolled. I mean, he was a son of an icon. He could do anything he wants. He was a guy that grew up in the suburbs. He didn't grow up in a, a railroad car like his father. I mean, his father grew up in a, his father learned how to box in Tijuana, right? He was living in a railroad car. That doesn't sound like running water in a toilet to me, does it to you? No, it doesn't. But that's how desperate it was. That's how hungry Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. was when he started out. Of course, the maybe the best, no, without a doubt, the best fighter pound for pound in Mexico's history. And then somebody asked me the other day, well, he's the best fighter pound for pound in Mexico's history. Mexico's history, who's number two? And I don't know if there is a number two right now because, you know, Canelo, I, Canelo's still fighting. But people say that Salvador Sanchez was such a great fighter. <clears throat> And I think you guys all base it on the fact that he knocked out Wilfredo Gomez. And, of course, I think that Gomez had weight issues. He came in at 130 pounds that morning. And Hector says no, but he came in at 130 pounds that morning. The fight was at 126. He ended up getting busted up in the first round. <clears throat> did, <clears throat> did Gomez got his uh, four-bittle bone broken in the first round. And he hung around for eight or nine more rounds. But the bottom line is I thought that Gomez was going to win. But Sanchez won. And he beat this Puerto Rican knockout artist with like 33 wins, 32 knockouts, and a draw. So, like, you know, he was supposed to knock out Salvador Sanchez. It didn't happen. This guy with his sunken chest looked like Popeye. He looked like a skinny Mexican version of Popeye without any muscles. I'm talking about Salvador Sanchez. He just. He just pulled off the upset. I mean, it was the Battle of the Little Giants in 1981. It was like the upset of the year without a doubt. I mean, because everybody figured Gomez was going to win. But I think that everybody's stocks, that one fight, that one big win, I think that's what you guys want to propel Salvador Sanchez into superstardom with. I don't think that he showed that he was really that much of a superstar. Yeah, he beat up Danny Little Red Lopez, but Lopez was just a tall, lanky featherweight, I think, from Los Angeles, who was the benefactor of 
outstanding conditioning without a doubt, and the fact that Don Chargan made a lot of his matches. In other words, creative matchmaking, good matchmaking, okay? But Lopez, I wasn't a big fan of Danny Lopez. I just wasn't. I mean, am I, I mean, somebody said to me, but how can you say that? You know, the guy, the guy had some outstanding wars. Yeah, but, you know, what can I say? He won fights he was supposed to win, but when you put him in against Sanchez, he got lit up like a White House Christmas tree, not once but twice. But back to Sanchez, the greatest Mexican fighter of all time, I don't know, man. I don't even know if I've tasted him in, in the top three or four. I think there's, I don't, because his career was cut short. See, it's sort of like when you're a musician and your career gets short, like Jimi Hendrix. Everybody, oh, Jimi Hendrix, he was the greatest guitar player of all time. I don't know. The guy played with the Isley Brothers. The guy played with the Ronettes. Come on, how? I don't know. I just don't think he was that great of a guitar player. But the point was he died early. So all of a sudden, he was the greatest guitar player of all time. I just don't think so. I think when you die early, I think that people tend to look at your, um, your resume and glorify it just a little bit too much. The aforementioned Johnny Golovkin, of course, 41-1-1, the one loss and the one draw to Canelo Alvarez, of course, the pound-for-pound king of boxing, taking on the once-beaten Ryota Murata, coming to us from uh, uh, Japan. It'll be on April the 9th. Of course, that'll be on the zone. Of course, Murata. Murata's Japanese, uh, do they have ramen in Japan? He's like ramen. He's middleweight ramen. I don't consider him much whatsoever. I mean, I just don't, man. They do have ramen over there. Yeah. Anyway, they have ramen. I, I, I ate the chicken teriyaki. I went to Japan one time. And uh, Don King paid 500 bucks for me to go to some sushi dinner and this and that. And I don't eat sushi, right? So all these fat cats are eating sushi and drinking booze and this kind of stuff. And I went down on the street and bought my chicken teriyaki from a, a food cart on the street. And I went back. Don King cussed me out like you would not believe. $500! Ba ba ba. MF, MF, MF. Yeah, he called me a few names that night. But the bottom line is I don't drink sake and I don't eat sushi. So that wasn't my core, my thing. Anyway, this fight will take place... <coughs> In the land of the sun, I'm talking about Japan, of course, at April the 9th on the zone, Golovkin and Ryota Murata. I think Golovkin should roll through him like a butter through knife. I mean, like a hot knife through butter. I just think so. I think Murata is not the real deal. I think he's a bit of a fraud. I think that his matchmaking, the fact that the WBA and the IBF have sort of, uh, the WBA for sure, has really tried to like keep him in, in high regards at 160 pounds, and I just don't see it. Now, also April the 9th, the return of... The baby, Ryan Garcia. Remember, I was so high on Ryan. I was so high on Ryan. I was selling stock in Ryan. I was buying stock in Ryan. I own stock in Ryan Garcia. And then I'm not so interested in the stock anymore. Sort of like Bitcoin. It dropped in value. Why do I say that? Of course, you know, he talks a good game. I mean, he just does. Yeah, he's coming off hand surgery, coming off some um, anxiety issues. Listen, if you're a boxer and you have anxiety issues, don't tell anybody. Okay, I sort of like saying people, you know, like if you're a surgeon and you've got nerve in, in your handshake, don't tell anybody. I mean, your handshake is a surgeon. You need to have your hands steady, steady if you're a surgeon. Straight up, the same thing with boxing. Um, as far as <laughs> as far as Ryan concerned, of course, he's taking on Emmanuel Togo. I think he's 32-1 and one with like eight knockouts coming to us out of Ghana. Most of his fights are in Ghana. He's a good fighter, no doubt about that. He's going to bring 300%. These fighters from Ghana will bring 300%. He will die in that ring if he has to. I kid you not. But he's severely overmatched by the fact that he's been off for two years. He's up in his 30s. And, of course, Ryan Garcia is supposed to be the hot young guy, right? 21 in zip, 18, 19 knockouts, getting up off the deck. Of course, that last time against um, Luke Campbell. Is he the real deal? That still remains to be seen. I'm not too sold on Ryan Garcia anymore. You're tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. You're inside looking to the world of boxing and MMA, of course, WBC-TV. Check out the World Boxing Council website at WBCBoxing.com. Speaking of WBC, the World Boxing Council President Mauricio Suleiman in Dubai this week.
I was like, when I was in this marriage, I was so, I was wide open like a puppy dog. She could have did anything. I was like, okay, I love you still. You know, um, I didn't, um, I didn't care about any money. And I was didn't want to lose my wife at the time. I was just a young kid, and I've never really been in that degree of matrimony before. And it just, it, it just devastated me. I wasn't prepared for any kind of emotional struggle like that at all. Yeah. Was yeah. what role model had you had for? A good marriage nobody really um just entertainers i would watch and the most entertaining that i would watch were womanizers who else but mike tyson talking about women he knows about women no doubt about it. of course he married robin gibbons who is he uh, allegedly raped desiree washington of course she was the miss indiana concert for the usa pageant of course she came to his hotel room went up to his room um, decided things were getting a little hot there. Took her panel, she, panty shield off, left it on the uh, sink board in the bathroom, and then came back out. And then she said Mike Tyson raped her. So I say there's some reasonable doubt there because she took the only thing preventing her from having sex away from her. You feel me on that one? Bottom line is girls know what I'm talking about. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. You inside look at the world of boxing and MMA. Of course, the Sunday edition, two hours, 11 a.m. Pacific time, coming to you live on Sports Byline, iHeartRadio, Sirius XM, Satellite Radio, the American Forces Network, Twitch.tv, the Sports Byline USA channel. I keep going and going, but the bottom line is, of course, I've got a new producer on Saturdays. His name is Daniel. He's got a good family at home. He takes care of his kids. He's a super dad. I love him. I thank him so much, and I appreciate his talents. Of course, Scott Cuddy, if you're listening to Colorado, all the best to you. Until next time, keep your hands up, keep your chin down, but most importantly, don't forget, the World Boxing Council sponsors Ring Talk Live Worldwide, WBCBoxing.com. My name is Pedro Fernandez. Take good care of yourself.